The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello there, and welcome back to Everybody's Dead Dave, the Red Dwarf Review podcast featuring myself, Adam Martin, and as always, my co-host, myself, Phil Hawkins. That do be him. We're back once again. We're on series eight of Red Dwarf, the last series of the BBC era, and uh, we're on episode six, uh, which is Pete part one. So we've got another multi-parter, Phil. We had a three-parter to start Mm. with, so I think this is the most multi-parters we've had in a Red Dwarf series so far? I think it is, yeah. And it's really weird because it's one of the two series that is actually eight episodes a series. A lot of yeah. the series are six episodes. And yet because of these multi-parters, it almost feels like it's a shorter series, but it's not. It's a, one of the longer ones. I get what you mean because uh, there's technically less, there's not eight stories. It's like six or whatever, but yeah. more episodes. Yeah. It's an interesting one, but um, I must admit going into this because, you know, I'll read the synopsis in a sec, but I was like, Pete, that's a very nondescript very vague type that could mean a vast variety of things and yeah we'll see what we discuss when we go into it but the synopsis for pete is uh, as follows rimmer and lister are not having a good time they're frequently in and out of the captain's office for various offensives which annoy hollister more and more until he keeps threatening them to put them in the hole but just um who is birdman and what is pete question mark question mark question mark Mm. so there you go so kicking things off i've got to say and i know i've said this before but the way this episode starts after the title sequence is we get a panning shot of red dwarf with the original theme music the slow the slow version of the theme and i it always gives me a little shiver when i hear that it's just so good um and i I wish they used it more yeah um, and i i'm gonna come out in defense of a lot of people talk about the cgi in this series but actually Mm. every time i've seen the ship the red dwarf ship even when it's in cgi i think it looks good fair enough fair enough it's definitely taking my my flag in the ground there that's my hot take the cgi red dwarf looks fine Yeah, it's not appalling. Like I've definitely seen a lot worse CGI from this same time period. Frankly, from stuff with a lot bigger budget as well. There's there's worse CGI in the show as well. I mean, like oh, yeah. midgets and stuff like that. But the but the Red Dwarf itself is yeah. it, it's I think it looks quite good. I just find it odd though how and I think we said this before as well. But it happened in this episode where later on you have a panning shot of the ship and it's definitely the model. That they've used, right? Okay. Or, or to me, it looked like the mo- it looked very different from the. So either the CGI just got really better really quickly. Well, maybe or I am. Maybe I am mistaking the CGI for a model work. I, I'm not sure. I'm... Yeah, we'll need to do like a compact, like a video compiling all like the CG moments and see see what we think. Yeah. But um, as the synopsis says, Lister and Rimmer are having to face the captain, um, to answer for a prank. Now, when they started this, because obviously this concerns um. Uh, Mac- Ackerman. Oh, Ackerman, that's it. it, concerns him. I thought we were running directly on from last week in Crikey TV, which for those who might have missed it or haven't caught up yet, they uh, Lister's fooled into basically defacing Ackerman's quarters. And I know they, they cleaned it all up, but do you know what I mean? I thought like yeah. they'd been found out and then it's nothing to do with that, it turns out. Yeah, it's almost a missed opportunity there, isn't there, to like have a bit of connective tissue between the episodes. 
Yeah, I just, yeah, I was like, oh, we're connecting. And then they just mentioned something completely. Di- it is fun, though, seeing Rimmer and Ista like, at, like, I guess you call it, like, jovial schoolboys, you know, like, when they're being told off and they're like, yeah, but it, it was pretty funny, wasn't it? Or, like, Yeah, and you, I, what I really like about these scenes when they're called up to the captain is you get a start to get a sense that they're friends mm, again, mm, which, yeah. you know, because it's the old Rimmer. It's, it's yeah. Rimmer like he was in series one where they weren't friends, really. It's nice to see that again. Absolutely. And like it, it hones in as well that there's so many elements where they're different and they disagree or whatever, but then there are those few things that they can share a laugh over or, or something like that. And we get more Mr. Ackerman, which I think we said last week is only a good thing because he's he's great. Was it Graham McTavish, I believe? Yeah. Is Ackerman? I really enjoy it. Even though it, it's only this little snippet, he just, he nails that sort of, I don't know what you'd say, like camp yet cruel sort of security guard sort of yeah i can't going. remember which one of these scenes it's in because i didn't write it down but i've just remembered the bit where he's talking about how because they're they're like he's why would you do this to mr ackerman and they're like oh yeah but he's just he's a smeghead and yeah. he's like yeah i and he's very offended by that i am not sir <laughs> i'm extremely nice lovely in fact warm caring but most of all nice Hence my nickname, Nicey Ackerman. Which strangely rolls off the tongue, I think. Nicey Ackerman, I was like, I quite yeah. like that. Yeah. And we, we get a little flashback to when, um, I guess, the gang first met Ackerman and how just how nice he was uh, as he proceeds to beat up Cat for, for speaking without permission. And uh, Yeah, that was a weird flashback because it, it flashback and the start of it, I'm sure, was actually a scene that we had in that I first thought episode. This, yeah, yeah. But then it kind of dovetailed into something different happening than what happened we like there's a new yeah. bit but that didn't happen in the actual episode so we like co- like red dwarf and continuity. red dwarf continuity strikes Let's, again yeah. So, yeah but no it was really I, I thought like the, the gag was funny but i mean you know what's coming was i think it was a little too long phil <laughs> i don't know if you thought the same but but i got the gag was funny like you know cat being beaten up for yes you know by this guy who's meant to be nice it is funny but when it just kept going and going and i was like you know i i don't know i just it fell a bit flat for me i guess after a while what did you reckon yeah yeah i can see that it was i did like it um where initially when cat was like i'm just trying i was trying saying what such a nice guy you are and then he yeah gets hit again gets hit again yeah Yeah. there it is regular listeners you've had your adam says it's too long scene or hopefully it's the only one i think it might be to memory um but hollister suggests that to uh even things out the uh the our gang, or the cons, as they're labelled, have a basketball game with the guards. And uh, Lister and Rimmer are a bit hesitant towards this because they, well, they know they'll get beaten up. And sure enough, we cut to a basketball game where exactly that happens. They're getting absolutely hammered. They're losing, I think it's like 48 to 3 at first when we see it. Yeah, um, they, they're fouling, the guards are fouling all over the place, but yeah. obviously not getting called up on it. And uh, It's like yeah. those sci-fi games where it's like the, the rules are there's no rules. Like it's just beat each other up, um, but in the you know in the halftime it's not going their way. But they uh, they do have a plan, uh, whereas uh, Lister was able to enlist the services of, of I love how they give him a name Bob the Scutter, yeah, um, to provide him Bob. with a a certain a certain mixture that goes in their drink, which uh, basically makes anyone who drinks it um, 
very, very aroused for a long period of time without their control. Seven hours. Seven hours. (laughs) Seven hours. A very long time. And um, the effects kick in. And sure enough, any fellas out there, I'm I'm sure you're aware if, you know, if, if things are going on, it's very hard to move fast shall we say in a sports game if if you don't want to expose yourself um and it allows the gang to win and yeah. it, it was funny i did like it um did yes. you think the game scene was like the right length like the whole uh, it, it yeah to... yeah it wasn't yeah. too bad um and the humor in it i, I did find it funny but yeah. it did seem to be a part of a recurring trend for series six for them to go to sort of like sexual humor which they did do a case, I think we mentioned this last episode, they did do a case, it's not like they never did it before, but it, mm. it seems to be a lot this series. They seem to be yes. going back to this well of having, you know, the humour being based around something sexual quite a lot. <laughs> it's yeah. like, have they run out of other ideas? It's not that yeah. they're not always funny, because this, I think this was funny, but it, it just seems to be that they're going back to, to the same idea a lot of the time. Yeah, it's like we're leaping a lot to the cruel humor, uh, not the cruel, sorry, the crude humor and not yeah. much else. So, uh, yeah, it's an odd one. I did notice that last week's episode was co-written uh, by uh, someone who isn't uh, Grant Ornella, uh by a guy called Paul Alexander, I think his okay. name is. And he also, just looking, yeah, Paul Alexander, he also co-writes uh, next week's episode, Pete Part 2. So it'll be interesting. Obviously, I'm not saying he was like the the crucial factor into why Crikey TV was the way it was, and obviously he's got no writing credit on this episode. Um, but you know what I mean? It's just interesting to wonder, like, did a new writer come in it? Because there's there's not been many new writers, has there? Aside from uh, uh, Grant and Naylor. No, didn't um, didn't Robert Llewellyn write one? Co-write one. I, I think he did. Yeah, we've mm. had some new write, but for the vast majority, it's it's either Grant or Naylor who who tackle it so yeah and grant hasn't been involved for the last couple of series no discrepancies eh? happens to the best of us um but with this uh new uh <laughs> mixture uh the cons win their game uh by quite a lot they celebrate but lister and rimmer have to return to face the captain who of course is not happy and what's the what's the line he goes he goes seven hours it's like do you know how long that is <laughs> that um, was a very good I- Thank Impersonation you, yeah. of Captain Hollister. I like that. Um, yeah, he because he got he drank some of it too. So <laughs> mm, yes, he did. And uh, do you know what? I don't know what it was in that whole game scene. Maybe it's the red cap. I don't know. He kind of reminded me a bit of Donald Trump, and I don't even know oh, why. Yeah, I no. know. I'm not going any further than that. But I don't know. I just got I just got a vibe. I was like, this just this just strikes me as something Donald Trump would do. But um, yeah, the, and the captain basically. Uh, treats them to this is where he says that he's on they're on potato peeling duty isn't it yeah yes yes i think so but he's you know he keeps uh any more discrepancies and they'll be going in the hole which we don't know anything about at this mm. point but potato peeling is their fate and they head back to the cell and um we have a little scene where a bunk scene which i know we've said we tend to enjoy them just for the dynamic of lister and rimmer very evocative of those <coughs> of those early scenes but the, uh, early seasons sorry but this scene Obviously, you have the thing with like the supper and the gags about that, and a lot. Then we have this scene about like rumors and hearsay, you know, about like uh, using an airplane toilet only when it's in the air or other oh, things yeah, like that. Yeah. And it sort of, I don't know, like it's it didn't go on. I'm not going to say it went on too long, um, but 
You know how last week in Crikey TV we sort of said, we feel like we're going down one path and then there's something else that just feels like it's there and it doesn't... Parts of this scene, not all of it, but parts of it to me felt a bit like that. A lot of the material I liked, I I enjoyed it, but I was kind of like, where are we... What what's happening? I guess I felt a little bit the same way throughout because and they kept on getting called back to the captain for different things, and I was kind of like, "Where's the what's what's the plot going to happen?" And yeah, yeah, yeah. Partly that's because it's a two parter, so they had more time to do the build up than they normally would to get yes. to the main plot, which is kind of the other guys finding what they find on the ship, but. So yeah, so these scenes kind of felt like I was wondering, okay, where what's going to happen next? Where's the, yeah. when's the central plot of the story going to get going? Yeah. Was um, it a good bit of padding? Uh, some of it was okay. Like I like the bit when we do get uh, Scutter Bob. He, oh yes, Scutter you know, Bob bringing yeah. bringing Lister his curry when oh, yes. uh, Rimmer is already tucked into his horrible uh, prison supply. Supplied meal. Talking of uh, the prison supplied meal, I'd like this is a, such a small thing, but I like the mm. fact that the guard, the extra they've got as the guard that comes in, is yeah. has been the same in multiple episodes. Yes, yeah, I noticed that. Nice bit of it's, for once continuity in uh, Red Dwarf. <laughs> I know, and good for that extra because extras often TV crews aren't bothered about what extra. You know, it's like they've got tons of them. So yeah, I agree. Again, a nice example of Red Dwarf taking the tiniest part of continuity and really sticking to it, but then just taking the bigger concepts and being like, "Nah, we're just gonna, we're just gonna do our own thing." Yeah. Um, but on Scutter Bob, um, Rimmer clocks on, and I must admit, you know when he gets the curry out the roof, the the way Chris Barry's face was like he had that realization. I I thought he was gonna say, "Wait, we could have gotten out this whole time, like through that hatch in the roof." Do you know what I mean? I yeah. Thought, I thought that's what he was going to say, but but they already caught... do, they they already did get out last week. <laughs> I suppose so, yeah. And they just oh yeah, didn't we say like there's no <laughs> there doesn't seem to be any like real I don't know what you call it any real Security. like guarding here. No, it's just it's a terrible prison that you can escape from really easily. Just if 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 you're a fan of strict continuity, I don't think Red Dwarf is is the show for you necessarily <laughs> because it just it'll wind you up, but. Uh, Rimmer's actual realization is: Hang on, if Scutter Bob can get him a curry and do- get all these things for him, maybe he can grab. Uh... Well, what does Rimmer suggest at first? It's not because then potato, a sharper knife, isn't it? Because their, That's their it. potato peel is all going to be dull. But then Lister comes up with the idea: What the better? Yeah, the programmable virus. Yeah, yeah, which he knew, knew about from his time previously. And I, li- I did like the fact that they reference back to like, oh yeah, if the if the nanobots also rebuilt that and it is in the same place because the ship has changed you know it has. The, yeah the configuration of the ship so it might be might not be there but Absolutely, uh yeah and yeah. <laughs> so we, i like the next bit but possibly it went on too long um oh, oh the, is this the contacting the morse bob code or... contacting bob's missus madge bob's missus oh yeah madge <laughs> <laughs> of course it's bob and madge like what else would it be and, yeah, uh, it's doing I, like Morse code on the pipes, and it's it's funny to a degree. And it's you know, there's like he's banging out like something angrily, and then there's like one bang back, one bang back, and, yeah, uh, and stuff. And then it turns out wrong number. Wrong num- I don't think the wrong number gag deserved the applause that it got from the studio audience. Quite frankly, yeah. I mean, 
I didn't mind the wrong number gag. I didn't think it was a bad gag. Oh, yeah, yeah. The gag was fine. It, but... it wasn't. Yeah, but I know what you mean. The studio audience kind of seemed to think that was like the best thing ever. Well, I thought I'd missed a trick. I was like, wait, was that what have I missed? Do you know what I mean? Because they were all like whooping and clapping. And I was like, I, I think we all just watched the same thing. But that's comedy for you, isn't it? But yeah, so, so you think you think the Morse code gag went on a, a, a tiny bit too long? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah. Do do not. Is this one time oh, when God, I think that... it went on too long and you didn't? Um, I must admit, my like thinking back, I didn't. My gut wasn't saying, "Oh, that was too long." I think I just, I I don't think the payoff. I was. I think I was more not miffed, but more surprised at the reaction from the audience than I was because the as I say the gag. I was like, "Oh yeah, well that's you know it's a funny yeah. gag," but I was like, "Oh, it just made me feel like I'd missed out on something," which I don't think I have. I think it is as plain as it is but yeah no i don't think it was too long well that's a rare moment isn't it look at that yeah reverse um and then uh we cut to one of the the gang are going on one of their canary missions on the on the manny celeste which i thought was a nice little i thought i thought that was a call to the mary celeste the famous ship that uh when they found it it was lost at sea and when they found it still floating above the water all the crew had it was abandoned completely yeah. abandoned and they never found the crew yeah, and... that's because the Daleks uh, yeah, oh, chased them off. <laughs> yeah, including one of them falling <laughs> off it itself. Yeah. That's, a story, that's a story for another day. But um, yeah, I thought it was a nice reference because it seems like they're going around this aban- abandoned ship as well. So I was like, that's, that's cute. Yeah, that's nice and it's just Crichton, Chrissy and Cat here. It's, it's kind of like, I like the way they kind of separated out the two stories. So you've yeah. got two little groups doing their own thing. You got Rimmer and Lister doing their thing with the potatoes and getting in trouble with Captain. Then you got the other three following this plot line. Yeah, handle much better than Crichton TV tried to do it last week. That's for yes. sure. Um, but I- I've got to say, in the- at the start of the scene, there was like an instrumental track playing, and I- it could just be my ears and things sounding, but it sounded like an instrumental version of the song "Crazy" by Seal. I don't know if you remember that. No. Oh well, I. It's probably just my, I, I listen to like lots of music in my spare time and just, well, I heard it and I was like, wait, like that sounds eerily familiar. And I think Crazy came out sort of like mid to late 90s. So it's sort of around that time, but that was just a little, anyone in the comment, if you know for a fact that is the song, please do let me know. Or if they just made something that sounds very similar, but um, they find some people on, on this ship, some other canaries, in fact, but they're absolutely completely still. Um... And they they realise they find what's it called the is it just the t- they call it the time wand I think don't yeah they? colloquial name I don't think that's its well it might be its actual name but I I don't think we get any other options so time wand is what we get um, and this one can I believe Crichton says digitize time and then it can be replayed in however manner yeah. you want or something like something. that I don't think we should think too too in depth <laughs> yeah. about the logic <laughs> of this time wand. Yeah, I mean, when he said it digitized time, in my head, I just went, "What? Like, what? What? What does that even mean?" Like that. But yeah, you're right. We we, should, we shouldn't think about it too hard. One thing I did enjoy about this scene, though, is the actors playing the other canaries. You know how they did their like stop start thing. Yeah, I think they did that really well because they were stopping like on a like sudden. And yeah, and it wasn't like they just did split screen and froze the 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 video of them mm. or the film of them. They actually, the actors like froze. Yeah. Mid sentence, yeah. slowed down, sped up, did like, and, and yeah, you could tell it was 
Oh, of them course. Doing it. Like, yeah. But it still, I thought it was quite effective. I think the commitment to it sold it. Had it not been as, in a way, overdone as it was, it, it would have been a bit limp. But that the main guy doing it, I thought, sold it brilliantly, like with his facial expressions and using his body. I, I really liked it. Um, this this device can also make people younger, as we discover, as he turn, uh, Crichton turns uh, Kachansky and Cat into kids, uh, who made me chuckle. I've got to admit, as child actors go, they weren't they weren't too bad. Interesting thing about um, another Doctor Who reference here: the actress oh. that played, or the the little uh, the little actor that played mm. um, little little Chrissy, yeah. uh, she was the. Um, the daughter in the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. Oh, in Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Yeah, is that, a, is that actor? No way. Yeah. So that oh, God, that's like at least there. 10, 12 years apart. Well, so yeah. So I looked up. So that may got me thinking about like, well, how old was she in that? Because she was playing a child in that, and this yeah. is like twelve years earlier, and she's still a child. So she was, according to IMDb, born in nineteen ninety two. So she would have been eight. No, set no. Like six, six, seven, seven, seven ish yeah. when when recording this, which means that twelve years later she'd have been about nineteen. She wasn't playing a nineteen year old; she was playing younger no. than she was um, yeah. in the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. But yeah, nice little. Oh well, good for her. Thing good there, she's her. still acting. Good for uh, that's great. And I mean, the Doctor and the Widow and the Wardrobe over ten years old now, which is slight, slightly scary. Yeah, um, but there yeah. you go. Uh, talking um, about the time wand as well, another the feature of it speeding up and slowing down, and the, and when Crichton's talking about the slow canaries, mm. I liked the line about the little chef waitress. So you mean they're moving just incredibly slowly? About the same speed as the average little chef waitress. <laughs> That's why they don't appear to be actually doing anything. <laughs> Again, another <laughs> culture because little chef doesn't exist anymore, does it? Does it not? Or not not in know. this. Not Possibly in this country, not. I don't it, think. I, I think it, no, maybe it doesn't. But it was fairly recently that it still did, I think. Like, I yeah. remember there being a little chef when I moved to the town I live in now, which I've lived in, okay, yeah, for nine years. But yeah. uh, I remember seeing one on, like, the side of a motorway, but whether or not that was abandoned or occupied is, I think I've, I've only been in a little chef once when i was very young and i can't remember whether i liked it or not but we never really went to it we didn't really have many in our area so no. did, did you go to them often, i mean i've or? been to them not often i've been to them on occasion usually we'd stop at the bigger service stations if we're going on a car yeah. journey or anything but the i've been to the occasional little chef and i don't have particularly fond memories oh, of the no. food i can't oh, remember what the service was like but the food mm, was never like dire oh dear Maybe maybe it's for the best that they've 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 gone, but um, but they they deduce like sort of like Lister and Rimmer did with uh, using Bob the Scutter that with the time wand they could manipulate time to basically cut down their sentence so they can make it so two years have passed and then then they're free to go. So that's there and, and like I said, it's a good segmentation of every character gets to do something. Like I saying, so now you've got these guys with the time wand and then Lister and Rimmer with their programmable virus uh to which we see them with their mountains of i wrote in my notes the lads face their mountains of cgi potatoes <laughs> yes. or superimposed potato which oh it, it did get a chuckle out of me i've got to admit i was like this is just too adorable to to it, not like you know the style of the superimposing of the potatoes on the background and them on the background and the size difference mm. and all of that that they'd done very much felt like 
season three when they're like in the like I it made me think of that episode where Rimmer is teaching Crichton to use Starbug and he's doing the test and oh, yeah. they're they're standing just outside of Starbug in the cargo bay. And yes. that so it kind of feels like this the technology hasn't improved in those years, what, te- like nine, oh, ten years nine, or whatever ten it is years. Since, it, yeah. since that series, but or maybe the budget's finally starting to run out. Yeah, we're getting to yeah, we're getting to desperate measures. But it did make me giggle. Um, they unleash the virus, which which seems to work. The potatoes are peeling themselves. It's quite a success until Rimmer notices that it's also eating his clothes and his hair and everything. Uh, it just doesn't stop, and uh, it happens to both of them. And I thought the I mean, it didn't look obvious to me, but if they were. The bold caps they were wearing, I thought, looked very convincing. Yeah, I yeah, because yeah. some you know Doesn't sometimes you watch things and exactly sometimes you watch things and you go, oh, there's the line. But no, with both of them, I thought I, you could tell me they legitimately shaved their heads, and I'd have I'd have probably believed you. But um, I found that quite fun. Do you have anything else to add for this scene? Uh, not not while they're there, but when they they get to the captain's office and they're being marched to the captain's office, sort of naked, holding concealing their dignity uh, yeah. in their hands and that Never was thought i'd see that on this show <laughs> that was quite funny um completely hairless bodies because uh, the virus has eaten it all away yeah. and, and another fun interaction with captain hollister who i do find really funny in most of his I, like i loved when they when they enter and he just goes well like with the smuggest look on his face I, I, he's brilliant like he's, he's been brilliant this whole episode really but of course, um, he well, he, no, he doesn't sentence them to the hole at first, does he? He says, "If I ever see you in here again, you're going in the hole." Yeah. To which Rimmer shakes his hand, uh, which then begins the whole thing anew. Because so he transfers of, the virus to him. Exactly, and out of that frustration, he sends them to the hole. Um, but before we get to the hole, we we do cut back to the others: uh, Kachansky, Cat, and Crichton. And the, the main thing I wrote about this scene is there's a line Kachansky has about there's a boob job joke. They're discussing like how they're going to use the time wand, you know, to, mm. to do it and how they'll they'll hide it in a safe place and then they'll use it when the time's right or whatever. Um, yeah. And then just she mentions, oh, I was going to see something about a boob job. Oh, just thinking, you know, when she gets so when I get older, you know, and I just I don't know for. I think like we said last week for Crikey TV, it just seems very out of character for Kachansky. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, and it doesn't strike me as something she'd be bothered about or again, preoccupied about. It's there is the series going back to that kind of that well of crude jokes again, which yeah. again is fine in like little doses, but I think possibly they're doing it a bit too much. Yeah, it and it just the whole it just seemed very left field for me. Do you know what I mean? It just felt yeah. very left field but um this is uh, isn't this the scene as well where cat gets his head put in the oven or something oh yes because he um yes he accidentally knocks the bully guy prisoner Mm. really big guy who is another eastenders actor uh oh really for a few years can't remember who he played in that but he was in eastenders for a few years and he yeah he so he gets basically his head slammed into the food processing unit and hot bovril poured over his head which would have definitely scorched him more than this show is allowed to show you. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then they sit at the table. They get a little. They get a little bit of revenge. Crichton uses the time one to turn it, the guy's uh, 
food back into a living animal. Um, but Cat gives the game away. But just before this guy is about to pounce on him, he's frozen. And the, the effect of him being frozen in midair, I thought, was pretty decent for the for the late 90s. Like yeah. The effect they used looked all right. And then they just freeze everyone. Because why not? That's the only answer. Um, and then I think we do cut back to the hole, do we? Or yeah, we, we, we meet Birdman, don't we? Mm, mm. The Welsh Birdman. The Welsh Birdman? Yeah. I did like I really liked his accent. I love a Welsh accent. Oh, beautiful accent, mate. One of the one of the best around Welsh accent, that's for sure. Not because I'm half Welsh or anything, but yeah, one of a beautiful accent. And um he introduces us to his his bird called Pete. So the bird is that is the title. And I must admit, I was like, okay. I wondered how it was gonna carry on to episode two of the or part two but we'll get to that in a second yeah because we were quite far into the episode by this point and we're only now being introduced to pete that's what i mean like you you hear a title like that and it's so with it being one word i was like this could literally be anything do you know what i mean it could be a person it could be a a code it could be anything so yeah quite late to introduce it i I did love the gag about him being nine yeah he says oh he's nine in bird years which means which is, what, like nine in regular years. So that means he's... And Rimmer's just like, nine. <laughs> that typical Rimmer. <laughs> but they're not in the hole for long. Because uh, Bob the Scutter is here to save them. Good old like, they Bob. Must have, he, he must have found them around the wrong number thing. He just must know where they are, yeah, I suppose. He's always probably on the lookout. They've become good friends. I wonder if the Scutter... Because, like, the Scutters were kind of on their side from the beginning. Because they... in the Well, that was... Actually, that was technically an AR. I was going to say they were mm, trying to break I out suppose with them, so. but they yeah. and they donned the mop heads. But I just wonder if they're like if they've still got the memories from the old ship or something. Uh, where Ooh, they were that'd be interesting. Them. I don't yeah. know. I or don't maybe know. Ju- or maybe Lister's just very good at bonding with yeah, maybe with scutters, maybe which I could believe absolutely. I did love the fact that when Bobby's rescuing them, he's humming the Great Escape theme tune. Yes, yeah, <laughs> nice little touch. Always out the air then. Um, but when Bob breaks them out, they see everyone in their path is completely frozen in place. And again, the actors, I think, are doing a great job because, like you said, they're not just been superimposed or anything. The actors are there and they're not frozen in necessarily some of them the easiest of positions <laughs> to like stay. Do you know what I mean? Stay frozen in like a lot. Of, it takes a lot of effort. But they find the others. They're having a celebratory dinner. They're all dressed in their finery, which I found quite funny that they've gone to the effort to, you know, rather than actually breaking out. Or, like, attempting to... Well, I guess they had to wait for the others. But, do you know what I mean? They'd gone yeah. to the effort to, like, get dressed up and, like, have this dinner. I think they, I think they would have been so fed up of having to wear that prison attire. Especially Cat <laughs> will, yes. have been, will have been, like, eager to get back to his wardrobe. And Absolutely. put on some snazzy attire again. But, uh, and, he, and he does pull it off. It's oh, nice yeah. to see Cat in his snazzy attire. Yeah, it's kind of good to see them back in their own clothes, like like we've seen them for the last several years and things. Absolutely. So Lister and Rimmer and Birdman with Pete join them. Um, But in all the excitement of being, of breaking out, um, unfortunately, uh, Pete the bird has died. He's gone all stiff and cold and poor Birdman doesn't really, doesn't really know. And because I think, this is what I liked. You know, last week we said Crikey TV had a lot of moments that dis- that we felt didn't really fit with Lister as a character in any way. This I really like because he immediately says to them, you know, he's he he had that bird a long time. It was the thing. You know, it's a it's Lister's better nature showing mm. the compassionate side. And I like moments like that. 
I probably wouldn't like it if it was like used every single week. But do you know what I mean? In moments like this, I think it really shines through. So I quite like that. Um, but of course, as you said, this is a part one of two. So to simply use the time one to restore, that'd be too easy. That'd be too much of an easy fix. So instead, somehow, it's not really explained, but somehow Crichton manages to not just revive Pete, but reverse his evolutionary state. Um, yeah. Citing that the bird came from ancestors of, and their ancestors are dinosaurs. Mm. So now Pete is a gigantic dinosaur. Yeah. Um, and now, before we just get into like the cliffhanger, the I was trying to work it out. Like, did this was do you, was this all CGI to you, or do you think there was a blend of like practical or? Oh, and... see, I I actually thought it was probably um, model work, but. Hmm. I don't know. There were, I couldn't. This was one of those moments where I was struggling to. Some shots, like, you know, when his foot appears, mm. I thought that could be like practical because I think they did a similar thing with the original Jurassic Park, like bits that were real. Yeah. Um, but then I think certain shots of like either him in full or like the head to me looked a bit more CGI. Yeah, but... maybe. Then, yeah. Or maybe it's a blend of the two. I'm not sure, yeah. actually. Sure. I thought he looked all right for 1999. I thought the realization was was good. Um, but yeah, so Pete is now a dinosaur, and the others are like, what the hell do we do? Uh, poor Birdman. He stands in Pete's way, gets uh, sneezed on uh, quite a lot. Yeah, it's quite grim. And then eaten. Uh, but he goes out with a joke. Uh, he offers him some seeds, bless him. Uh, to which he takes that as a no. So but, uh, Birdman sadly is gone, which I was a bit gutted about because I quite like Birdman. And he just sort of gets disposed of. As for the others, uh, they run. Uh, cat, As the famous cat saying, what is it? Like, we're all gonna die. Or whatever yeah. he says. Um, and then it just says to be continued. And, and yeah, that is it. That is Pete part one. What do you think of this like cliffhanger moment? Do you feel it's a strong cliffhanger? Yeah, I, I do actually, because it's a really unexpected, out of nowhere kind of change that if you hadn't seen this episode before, like who would have guessed that the bird would turn into a dinosaur and then eat somebody and then run after them? And honestly, I mean, I haven't seen this series in, oh, maybe 15 years. So oh, wow. I... I can't remember what happens next, to be honest. So it's going to be a surprise for me too. Or it'll be a, oh yeah, it'll be a, something that triggers me remembering. Yeah. But at the moment, I haven't got a clue what happens next. Uh, the only thing I think, did they did they maybe show part of this cliffhanger in the like, title sequence? Well, I remember you mentioning the dinosaur when we were, in the, when we were talking was it, about the first episode. Was it the full thing or was it the shot of the foot? I can't remember, hmm. actually. Um, but I'll I have to take note when we watch next the dinosaur week. And yeah. going, oh, I wonder what that's going to be about. I mean, regardless of that, like you say, it's completely une- like how unexpected that the yeah. that AP is was the bird, and then that this bird becomes a dinosaur. But it all sets it up well for Pete Part Two, which we will cover next week. But before we round off, it's time to do our regular features here. So the first being our favorite character. So Phil, who stole it for you this time? I'm going to give it to Welsh Birdman. Welsh bird. Um, I, I, I quite like him. He's fun. He's got a f- lovely Welsh accent. He's he a little does. bit kooky. He's clearly been yes. in that hole too long. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Just a little too long. And yeah, it's a shame we we got such a fleeting um, experience yes. of him. But 
we had him and then he was no longer there. R.I.P. Welsh Birdman. R.I.P. Welsh Birdman. Uh, well, for mine, I'm going to give it to Captain Hollister. Uh, we already sort of said it, but just every scene he had in that, he just stole it for me. The, in in the past episodes, I've kind of been a bit mixed. I think in some of like the jokes or how he's been portrayed or whatever, but I think he just he shone this time. I think he hit all the notes perfect. So, yeah, Captain Hollister for me. And what about your funniest moment? My funniest moment. See, this is difficult because I one other note I've written about this episode and I um is that it kind of feels more a similar way to sort of series six in a way and series seven, mm. where they kind of went more heavy on the sci-fi concept and it felt less, well, series seven, really, where there is less, less, it was more of a drama, less of a comedy. I mean, there was, what I mean, there is a lot of funny stuff in there still, but it, I don't know. There wasn't yeah. anything that made me really laugh out loud. I guess I would give it to maybe, maybe the maybe the little chef gag. The little chef gag. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. No, yeah, I like that. Uh, mine. It's Mr. Ackerman okay, in the office. Yeah. I just I, I like seeing him. I want I want more of him. And you know we've only got two episodes of this series to go before the long hiatus before Back to Earth and. I mean, you might know, but obviously I'll have to find... I, I really, really hope that this series isn't the last we see of Ackerman. Even if it's played by a different actor, I just want to see Ackerman again. So, but yeah, that little scene in the office, not so much the flashback, but him in the office, nicey Ackerman and all that. I yeah, that was great. That was a good. Definitely. And what about your scutter rating out of 10? How many scutters are you giving this one? I'm going to give it... Um... Six and a half out of Ooh, ten. A bit more than Crytie TV, then. Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> more than Crytie TV. Um, and they, they, yeah, there's some good stuff. Uh, it just didn't make me laugh out loud particularly much. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. That's fair enough. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. What about you? Fair enough. How many scutters? Um, how many bobs the scutters? How many bobs the scutters? Bob and um, Madges. Oh, Bob and Madges. Ever so slightly higher. Uh, a seven out of ten for me. Um. Thankfully, a breath of fresh air after Crytie TV in many ways. There is, like we said, there's still a lot of that like sexual or crass humour, which I wish they'd tone. Not saying it doesn't have to be there overall, but like you said, I think they just they need to tone it down a little bit. Like it's it's getting a bit it's getting a bit much now. Um, but yeah, lots of strong stuff. Mr. Ackerman, as I said, Captain Hollister, Welsh Birdman, uh, some of the gags with the leads as well, uh, the, the way that the two groups of people like their stories were told i think more coherently compared to last week and as any good two-parter should i am excited to see how this resolves you know mm. cliffhanger should make you feel like oh i can't wait to see it, rather than make you go all oh, right okay well next week's next week no but yeah a seven a seven for me solid seven but yeah excellent there you go that is pete part one we will be back next time for pete part two the penultimate episode of series eight to see how this goes in the meantime um Phil, where can these people who are listening find you on the internet? You can find me on my YouTube channel, which is just Philip Hawkins, Philip with one L, where I talk about all sorts of geeky pop culture, like Doctor Who, the MCU, Star Trek, anything that takes my fancy, mostly Doctor Who, to be honest. Uh, but this podcast goes up there, and it's a great place to it go does. and leave comments about what, what you think of the episodes as well, because you can't do that on normal podcasting apps. To, you know, can't comment on each episode individually. So no. you can on YouTube, 
so go check that out and let us know what you think of the episode there. Um, and also, uh, I'll plug this while we're uh, while we're in this section. Also, go to the YouTube thing and write. You can leave us a question because we're going to be doing a Q and A yes. after we wrap up series eight. You can yes, ask us our thoughts on any specific aspect of Red Dwarf. You know, our theory, any theories we've got. You can ask us something that's completely unrelated to Red Dwarf if you really want to. <laughs> you can ask us about the podcast. You can ask us about anything you want. So um, yeah. do that as well. No, we love questions. My favorite ever question I've ever had in doing YouTube was, do you own a washing machine? Hmm. And I loved it because it was just so it was just so honest. And I was yeah. like, that's such a very mundane question. But I admire that. And, I and mean, at the time, now, I didn't own a washing I, machine. I now need to know, do you own a washing machine? At the time, I didn't because I was in like studenty okay. dig, so it was a communal thing. So I didn't own a washing no. machine, but I I do now thankfully own a washing machine. <laughs> My, so, you I, know. I own a washing machine that is currently broken. So uh, oh no. <laughs> currently oh, shipping off all my washing to my in-laws almost every oh, other day to get it washed grateful for the in-laws in yeah. that respect then <laughs> and um for myself it's adam martin with a y on youtube and adam martin amtv on twitter you can check those out see the kind of stuff i make also we have a twitter account for this podcast at all dead dave pod you can go and follow us there for updates on the podcast uh trivia about red dwarf few memes as well we love a good memes just all sorts really so go and check that out there also i mean you can leave us questions on that twitter account as well um there is a tweet about that so youtube or twitter is great we also have a merch store which you can uh, check out if you look at the link in the description you can buy t-shirts which you can't see it but phil is modeling one right now uh also mugs um and various other good assortments that you can get with our little cartoon characters on there and our logo so please do check that out and let us know what you thought of the pod in the comments on youtube as phil said we love to hear your feedback and yeah that's pete part one so we'll see you next time for pete part two goodbye see you later